It's the middle with Anthony Weiner on WABC. I know Anthony Weiner for a long time. He was a really bad guy. Taking a step back to look at things with a new perspective. Anthony Weiner, um, I'm not a big fan. It's the middle with Anthony Weiner. I'm Anthony Weiner, and thank you for meeting me in the middle. Sometime every Saturday from 2 o'clock when we take some steps away from the hot takes of the far left and the far right, and we try to bring some context to the news of the week or a subject that doesn't find its way into the middle of the conversation enough. So get ready. We're going to get some drizzle or something here in New York. Hopefully not too much snow where you are. It's going to be maybe a little snow in our area, but not too much here in New York City. It's a gray day outside. If you tune in to one episode of The Middle all year, this might be the one to tune in for. We got a big afternoon planned for you today, left versus right. Not going to be Curtis Lee with today. It's going to be John Katzenbatidis coming in again. So for those of you who didn't tune in last week or who don't subscribe to the WABC app, which you should, you might have missed it. First, I want to say thank you to Ava and Christian and Kevin for helping us out today, 800 848 9222-848-WABC. So if you didn't tune in last week, Curtis, after doing 140 hours in a row, he had some kind of, I don't know what it was. They kept referring to it, the itch or something. I thought that was a euphemism for something. And he might have actually, he was, he was down for an hour. And in fairness, he had been covering for so many other people. Uh, and so John Katsopinius came in and we did about the last, Half of this show and then the entire left versus right, me and John. And it was, I mean, I I don't know how else to put it. It was really great radio. Now, I'm not just saying that because I was involved and because my boss was involved, although both of those things contributed to it. But we had a good conversation that became kind of the first left versus right kind of real, you know, we we had some issues. And but, But John and I had known each other for a while, so it was kind of like two guys sitting over coffee and having a conversation. People responded well to it. So well, in fact, that we're going to do it again at 4 o'clock for Left versus Right. Um, so I'm, I'm glad you're tuning in. Also, in hour number two today, you know, Oscar Wilde once said, it's better to be talked about than not talked about. Well, I have my first feud with another host here at WABC. If you are a listener to Sid, and, and based on his numbers, I don't know who isn't at this point. If you listen to Sid and Friends in the Morning, you know what I'm talking about on Friday. One of the more prominent hosts, not only here but in the country, took a run at me out of nowhere. Took a run at me and 
look, if you're gonna if you're gonna dole them out, you got to be ready to take it back. And so in hour number two, I am gonna have um, I'm gonna have what could be the last word because I'm fighting back. Uh, so today, uh, Jordan went out and played the first time since the holiday. He plays hockey, as you all know. He got a pair of new skates for his his birthday. Falls very close to Christmas and very close to Hanukkah, so. He gets a lot of gifts this time of year. He does well. So he had a new pair of skates, tried them out. And he is, you know, now that he's 12, we said that he could do this once he turned 12. He just turned 12 on the 21st of December. By the way, the 21st of December is the shortest day of the year. So we, his mom and I say that every day was sunnier once Jordan was born. We said once you're 12, you can start, you can be, you can stay home alone. And which is also the name of his favorite movie. So he is alone because his mom is traveling. I'm here working. And um, so let's see. If if I have to get up and scramble out in the middle, it's because he, I don't know, did his microwave popcorn too hot and it, anyway. Um, some good news this week on the jobs front, 216,000 jobs in December, more than were expected, finishing out a very good year for the economy, a real turnaround year. We've been talking about it the last few weeks. You heard a little bit about it on Steve Moore's show. Kudlow has been talking about it, how good the stock market's doing. Inflation's finally come down. Now it looks like they'll finally be able to reduce interest rates. Gas prices are pretty low. Um, things are doing better. Um, still some crazy news going on in the Middle East. Still, it's, you know, Iran is doing everything without, through its proxies, to make things difficult for the world. The Houthi rebels are... <clears throat> are just basically being a nuisance and maybe even a little more. So the, the U.S. has had to take them out. But speaking of the Houthis, you know, I, I I try to stay off social media because the the social media conversation around Israel and Gaza is just the dumbest thing I've I've seen in so long. And also it can be infuriating. But I came across a tape of a protest going on in Washington Square Park that even though you know you know I have talked to you over and over again about how dumb these TikTok kids are. And one of the reasons I didn't think we should be so excited or so worked up about when they say dumb things is just they're so clearly so dumb. But listen to this. Let me see what cut it is. It is um, cut. It's cut two, Ava. I'm going to out. No, 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 not not that one. Hold on. So, uh, 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 okay, I I marked them up. So this is not the hour to it. Yeah, that's it. Now listen to this part. So Yemen, Yemen. Uh, so I don't know where to start with that one. First of all, from Lebanon to Palestine, Lebanon themselves are under the control of Hezbollah. Lebanon isn't attacking Israel. Hezbollah, who occupies Lebanon, is attacking Israel. So I don't even know what you're talking about from Lebanon. Yes, we want to liberate the people of Lebanon too. But the Yemen part, Yemen, just Yemen, what are they saying, Ava? Yemen, Yemen, make, oh yeah, Yemen, Yemen, 
make us proud, turn another ship around. You idiots, the Houthis are against the Yemen government. These people are just idiotic. They, they, they not Yemen isn't attacking the ships. It's the, the rebels, the Houthi rebels who have been trying to topple the Yemen government. Who are, who are Shia, who are trying to topple the Sunni government in Yemen. You knuckleheads. Yemen's not doing anything. Yemen's not turning any ships around. These people are just, I mean, listen, they're young people. They're sorting it out. I get it. They're peaceniks. They want, it, they want peace and love and everything else, and they love their chants. But for love of God, before you start chanting something, can you just do a little research? I mean, just to remind everybody, the Houthi rebels are the ones trying, have been trying for years to, over, to, to take out the government of Yemen. Okay, The Saudis who fancy themselves as the most powerful Sunni nation around that part of the world, has been fighting with, the, with, the, um, with these Houthi rebels and, as, and, and in the midst of it, wiping out innocent people in Yemen because of this war that's been going on. Okay, So we, the United States, actually were siding with the Houthis and trying to get the Saudis because the Saudis were killing so many innocent people in Yemen. And these knuckleheads are chanting, Yemen, Yemen, make us proud? Anyway, so there's that. <laughs> Just a little something. I don't, want that. I don't want to get bogged down because I want to talk about something else. But the other thing that was in the news, obviously, I, we all knew this was coming. I particularly knew it was coming. The Supreme Court said that they're going to take up this issue of the 14th Amendment, Section 3, which disqualifies Anyone who's, who's engaged in insurrection, give aid and comfort there too. Just like you'd be – like other things are, are to disqualify you from being on the ballot, they're going to take it up. And as I have said, let me just make my position very clear. Maybe John and I will talk about this on left versus right when we have our – what are we branding it? The concrete jungle in the – with your uncle or something. I don't know what we're, we're calling it. it. This may come up. My position is I want Donald Trump to be on the ballot. Because I believe the way we resolve this political fissure in our country is to, to defeat the, 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 the forces of Donald Trump and what he represents. That's what I believe. However, however, having read the decision of the, the, of the Supreme Court of Colorado, having read the history of, of the 14th Amendment, um, it's to me – a pretty clear case that he that he should be disqualified. Now, all that being said, his lawyers have been working the judges um, with making these statements that are kind of like, well, these judges owe it to Donald Trump to rule in his favor. Like they're all doing it in a very coordinated way. And then one of his lawyers, a woman named Christina Bob, went completely off script when she said this president is elected by the entire nation, and it should be the entire nation who determines who they want for president, whether they're guilty of insurrection or not. It's up to the people. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> whether they're guilty of insurrection or not. No, that part is pretty simple. If you're guilty of insurrection, it's not a Look, I may very much love for Arnold Schwarzenegger to be the president. We can have 100 percent of the country that wants that until you amend the Constitution he can't be president. This is not that kind of a situation. We have, a, we have a republic. We have a democracy, but it's governed by the rules of the Constitution. The Constitution has some rules about who can be president. And no, Donald Trump's lawyer, no, he can't be 
<laughs> he can't be a president. He can't be on the ballot if he's been an insurrectionist or not, as, as, as she freely admits that is a very clear possibility. So that's going to happen, and it's going to happen soon. It's going to happen in February. It's going to be interesting arguments, and I think that the Supreme Court will find a way to get him on the ballot, but it's going to be hard for them because, as you know, these Supreme Court justices, they fancy themselves as what they call textualists. They said if it ain't in the Constitution, we ain't going to put it there, and if it's in there, we're going to read it the way the, the founders, the people that wrote it, intended And you have a whole bunch of dialogue about how it was intended, and you have words that are in there. So when people say, well, he hasn't been, Donald Trump hasn't been convicted of anything, no, that's not in there. It doesn't say by trial. This is, this is, this is self-effectuating. This is self-activating. You don't have to have a trial to show that someone's not, thir- that not 35. And the other thing is that in the Constitution, one of the, some of the things that they're arguing is that, oh, well, um, they didn't intend it to be for the – President of the United States. Well, there's the only a problem with that is that was specifically asked about in the debate at the time where it was asked, why, um, why did, why was that not included? Senator, Senator Peter Van Winkle, I'm holding my notes here. Peter Van Winkle, West Virginia. Says this, uh, uh, oh, actually, no, says it's worth noting. Uh, oh, yes. Why did you exclude them? the vice president and the president from specific mention in the Constitution. And the answer was um, by Senator Morrell. Let me call the senator's attention to the words or hold any office, civil or military, under the United States, ending the discussion at that point. Some people have argued, well, wait a minute. They only meant this to be about the Revolutionary War. And there was in an early draft of the amendment referred to the rebellion. And they took that out. And they explained in the debate on the floor of Senate. This is to go into our Constitution and to stand to govern future insurrection as well as the president. And I should like to have that point definitively understood. So if the Supreme Court is going to overturn this, they're going to have a tough time doing it. But I think they will. I think they will. I think they're going to let Donald Trump on the ballot. But I want, you know, but they're going to have arguments about it. And, but I, I, I will eat this desk. And by the way, as a sign of what a big day this is, they're taking video of the whole show and they're going to cut it up and put it on YouTube and everything else. So when I say I eat this desk, I'm pointing at the desk. I will eat this desk if the Supreme Court says the president of the United States did not engage in insurrection. And that's what I want to talk to you a little bit about this hour. This is the third. This is a somber day, right? This is a day that is kind of like, you know, those days – like December 7th and September 11th, that like become to mean something, and they're going to mean something forever. We're going to refer to J6 and January 6th for a very, very long time. And as of today, 1,240 people have been charged with crimes. It's the largest criminal, the, the largest criminal act in the history of the United States. Of then, 710 have pleaded guilty. 170 have been acquitted. Two of them have been uh, – I'm sorry, 70, 170 have been convicted. Two of them have been fully acquitted and the rest are pending trial. So there has been um, some accountability. There's no doubt about it. To some degree, the system has worked. They counted the electoral votes as they were presented. The efforts to stop it were not successful. 
the 120 some odd police officers were injured, but um, the police force stands. The the repairs have been made to the Capitol. Two million eight hundred eighty one thousand three hundred sixty dollars and twenty cents up to now. And our country goes on. And just so you have a little sense about this accountability, 444 defendants, defendants were charged with assaulting, resisting, or impeding police officers or employees. 120 individuals were charged with using deadly or dangerous weapon or causing bodily injury to an officer, to a peace officer. 140 officers were assaulted, 80 from the Capitol Police, 60 from the Metropolitan Police. Eleven individuals were arrested for a series of charges relating to assaults on members of the media. 1,160 defendants have been charged with entering, remaining, in restricted federal grounds. Of those, 114 defendants have been entered a restricted area with a dangerous or deadly weapon. So there has been some accountability. But the question still is, and... President Biden spoke about this yesterday, gave a speech. Are we going to have accountability for the person at the top of this crime? The person who the evidence shows started this all off, came up with the idea, perpetuated falsehoods, was told something was true, and yet went out and said something that was not true. And that's what I want to talk about when we get back. This is the third anniversary of January 6th to all of those police officers who are out there today walking the line. We express our gratitude to them and hope that they do their shift and return to their families. But today is also a day we acknowledge those police officers who, when they do go out and do their job, sometimes run into situations like we saw three years ago. And we'll continue this conversation, third anniversary of January 6th. And then the top of the hour, I will... Get my chance to punch back at an ABC host, one of our our biggest, who took a run at me this week. This is The Middle. I'm Anthony Weiner. We'll see you on the other side. Be 18 and older to play. Gambling problem? Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. Hey, New York, the Powerball and Mega Millions lotteries keep rising. So order your official tickets from your phone with the Jackpot.com lottery app or go to Jackpot.com. Just choose your lottery and lucky numbers. With Jackpot.com, your tickets are scanned and can be viewed on your phone. You'll even be notified if you're a winner. Plus, get a free lottery ticket with your first order. The Jackpots are soaring, so order your tickets now with the Jackpot.com lottery app or go to Jackpot.com. Never miss another Jackpot with Jackpot.com. Proud partner of the New York Yankees. Hi, I'm John Katsimatidis. This is Rudy Giuliani. I'm Lou Dobbs. It's Judge Jeanine Pirro. Hi, this is James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly. Hi, it's Curtis Sliwa. Hello, this is Larry Kudlow. Hi, this is Dick Morris. I'm Roger Stone. Hi, it's me, Cindy Adams. Hi, it's Anthony Weiner. All part of your informative and entertaining weekend on Saturdays right here. Talk Radio 77.
Sid Rosenberg. Sid, you're on Monday at 6. Okay. Listen to this podcast now on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Anthony Weiner, The Middle, Unplugged. I took a hard look at this question of whether woke is a good thing or a bad thing. And I argue that it was kind of a weird thing because no one knew exactly what it was. And that it also didn't fall into the rubric of what usually makes a good presidential candidate. Someone who is trying to solve problems that real Americans face at any one time. Now, there are some elements of residual wokeism. I also said I didn't quite think that the Bud Light boycott was that big a deal. And they did seem to lose it few shuckles on that. But as far as DeSantis and wokeism, woke became less of a thing for voters. So did COVID, to be honest with you. And DeSantis has been trying to find his footing ever since. He's not a very natural person when it comes to campaigning. But I also think that just generally, whenever you make your campaign slogan, Florida is where woke goes to die, I think you pretty much got an idea that you're not going into it. Download all of Red Apple Media's podcasts right now through your favorite podcast platform. Finding new ways to make change. Reaching across the aisle to work with both sides. Before all this happened, Anthony Weir, he was fantastic. That guy could have been the president. This is The Middle with Anthony Weiner. But Weiner may be my greatest challenge yet. He has gone toe-to-toe with many pundits before me. On WABC. Welcome back to The Middle. I'm Anthony Weiner. That's Elvis Costello with Radio Radio. Really appreciate you tuning in today. 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222, the third anniversary of J6, of the January 6th insurrection. And I did what a lot of people did yesterday or today. I went back and I looked at the committee report that summarized all of the witnesses' testimony. By the way, I got a few emails last week, a few things online. That said, when I had that debate with with John Katsimatidis, they're like, oh, you weren't such a tough guy when your boss is is in the room. I'm like, yeah. (laughs) But also, also, I have been trying I've been trying to stress this is that this whole idea, you know, and John will express this himself, I'm sure. And by the way, four o'clock, we're going to call it round two. You can call it whatever you want. You can call it. Left versus right, you can call it rumble in the concrete. They had some promo up this week, rumble in the concrete jungle, I think it was, 4 o'clock. And also, we're going to do some cuts on it. If you want to um, look for look for them online, you could also always get them on the app. Um, Anthony, uh, 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 WienerWABC at gmail.com is where I'm getting these email comments. But people are saying, oh, well, you went, you, you, you know, he, he handed you your lunch and you were afraid to – no, he doesn't – I got to tell you, here's the thing about John. He doesn't mind you – he doesn't mind you you know, coming back on stuff. Like he, he understands at the end of the day that that's what makes these things and, and 
Curtis says it a thousand times. No one wants to hear the same thing over and over again. But if you sense a little deference, yes, there's a little deference. I even dressed up today. When I walked in, Kevin George said he looks like I was dressed up for my grade school school picture. A little vest on. Anyway, so we're talking about the, the, the solemn anniversary of January 6th. And, you know, I went back and I looked. I, I, I had done a podcast, I guess it was a couple of years ago now, on the – on the January 6th committee hearing, the report, and some things that we knew that were in the report, some things were not. A couple of things that we now have at our disposal that we didn't have are the actual words of the people that did these crimes. You know, some people said, oh, it wasn't an insurrection, it was just a protest and whatever it is. But now we know that people showed up with bear mace, people showed up with zip ties, people showed up with weapons. We know, and we also know... What motivated them to get to be there? Because they they have to give when they're being sentenced, and people got you know some considerable sentences. They make statements before the court, and so we're able to go back. And so I did that. I went back and I and I I, I took a look. You know, some big names. You know, this guy Graydon Young. Remember the Oath Keepers. The prosecutors say to them, again, these are transcripts. So how do you feel about the fact that you were pushing towards a line of police officers? And this guy says, today I feel extremely ashamed and embarrassed. He says, how did you feel at the time? And he says, I felt like, again, we were continuing in some kind of historical event to achieve a goal. And looking, and then the prosecutor says, looking back now, almost two years later, this is when his trial was going on, what, uh, what would you make you – what would make you, as someone is coming to D.C. to fight against the government? And Young responds, I guess I was acting like a traitor, somebody against my own government. But that's just one. There are like more anonymous people. This guy named, this guy named Riemler, here's his quote. I am sorry to the people of this country for threatening the democracy that makes this country so great. My participation in the events of that day were an attack on the rule of law. Um, you know, there's a guy who who was a former army officer, a guy named Markovsky. My actions put me on the other, this is him talking, put me on the other side of the line for my brothers in the army, the wrong side. Had I lived in the area, I would have been called up to defend the Capitol and restore order. My actions brought dishonor to my beloved U.S. Army National Guard. So you have these people expressing these moments, these regret, and this is what accountability looks like. And I have been in that position. You feel a sense of shame, but you, you, you accept your responsibility for what you've done. And the question I wonder about is today is what about the person who is at the very top of this effort? And the other thing that we had in all of these tests and all of this testimony, and by the way, just for the conspiracy theorists out there, every one of these um, defendants had access to all of the video that everyone's been talking about. Anything exculpatory, they've had access to the video for years. This video that we keep hearing, oh my God, if you only saw the video, you would know. Doors being let open. They had access. They could have made any of these defenses. And these are people who are accepting responsibility. And when they were asked, well, when they're asked either on the stand or by the judge in sentencing what they were doing there, because... The judges and the prosecutors, they wanted to know, you know, what was behind this. They wanted to understand the motivation. Defendant after defendant after defendant, hundreds of them, 
said that they were there because their president, the one that they respected and look up to and admired, told them to be there, told them to do the things that they were eventually sent to prison for doing. So here's one, Garrett Miller, who brought a gun to the Capitol. Quote, I was in Washington, D.C. on January 6th because I believed I was following the instructions of former President Trump, and he was my president, the commander-in-chief. His statements had me believing the election was stolen from him. Lewis Cantwell testified, quote, If the president of the United States is out on TV telling the world it was stolen, what am I? what else would I believe as a patriotic American who voted for him? who wants to continue to see the country thrive as I thought it was, close quote. Stephen Stephen Ayers testified, quote, with everything the president was putting out, the election was rigged, the votes are wrong and stuff. It just got into my head. The president was calling on us to come to Washington, D.C. Ayers went on to say he was, quote, hanging on every word President Trump was saying. And posted that civil war will ensue. And he showed up in Washington with bear mace and zip ties. So if people want to say, oh, well, it's just a a protest that got out of control. No, people were showing. You know, you've heard this described several times. And President Biden made reference to it yesterday. They set up a gallows outside to hang Mike Pence. Now, I ask you, ladies and gentlemen. You want to show up and you want to protest and you want to carry a sign. Someone shows up carrying a gallo- the, the materials to make a gallows. And if it was just that, you must say, all right, someone making a dramatic display. They were chanting it too as they broke into the Capitol. And that is because at 226 on that day, while this was going on in full force, oh, sorry, 224, Donald Trump tweets out to, to his followers that we've got to make sure President, Vice President Pence does the right thing. So is there accountability here? I don't know. This report is pretty good in terms of laying out what happened. And again, another thing I want to point out is that some of oh, wait a minute. There weren't a lot of Republicans on that committee. There were only two. There were no Democrats testifying. Do you know how many Republicans were testify who testified to all of the facts about what Donald Trump did, what he knew, what 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 he did and did not do? The fact that he didn't call out the National Guard when he was the only one that had responsibilities to do the the authority to do that, etc. Four dozen people that worked for him, people that voted for him. They're all Republicans. Think about a prominent. You think, by the way, maybe not prominent. Think about anyone who testified before that committee. You could say, oh, that's a Democrat. I mean, I don't know the police officers that were harmed that day. I don't know what their political affiliations are, but everyone else worked in the administration, worked for Donald Trump. So when people say, all right, the system bent, but it didn't break, we have accountability. All these people are going to jail. And it's not just that. Fox News, $760 million they're going to have to pay because they lied about it. Because they lied about votes being flipped by some machine or something. You've got other people who are finding their way into courts right now. 
But accountability ultimately has to look like the guy at the top of all of this. What's his accountability? Now, will it be in the election? Yep. But it also is probably going to be, why should he not face the same bar of justice that everybody else is? All of these people, all of these average regular Americans who listened to what he had to say. Are we really think those people should go to prison and not the others? Or maybe we just don't think that they should. And if you don't, then you haven't read their own words about why they came there, what they did, and the harm that was done to our country. So I've got, I've a, I'm a, I've got mixed emotions. On one hand, yep, a lot of accountability happened. Laws were changed. We took out any ambiguity that might have been in the, in the law. The, we, the prosecutions are going on. The president is, is innocent and, until proven guilty. The presumption of innocence. That's true of all 91 of his indictments. That's true of the Mar-a-Lago documents case. That's true of the conspiracy case in Georgia. That's true of the conspiracy case in Washington. All of them. But I think that if we're really going to say we learned the lesson of January 6th and we're going to make sure that the next time someone marches on Washington to try to overturn or stop the transfer, overturn a government or try to stop the transfer, then I think there's still one more chapter that needs to be written in this story. And when we come back, we'll have some of your calls, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. At the top of the hour, I am in a legitimate feud with a famous WABC on-air talent. And then at 4 o'clock, what a lot of people are tuning in for, left versus right, not with Curtis Lewa, but John Katzmatidis, a rematch from last week. I came ready for the rumble in the concrete jungle. Must be 18 and older to play. Gambling problem? Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's the middle with Anthony Weiner on WABC. I know Anthony Weiner for a long time. He was a really bad guy. Taking a step back to look at things with a new perspective. Anthony Weiner, um, I'm not a big fan. It's the middle with Anthony Weiner.
Welcome back to the middle. That's the English beat. Save it for later. Talking a little bit about the anniversary of January 6th. I've got a lot of cuts of the of President Biden from yesterday. I thought it was an excellent speech, but it has the same problem of all of Joe Biden's excellent speeches. And that is, I know you've heard this a thousand times. I don't want to wear you out about it. He just doesn't, it doesn't sound, and it's particularly bad on the radio when you're hearing it. He just doesn't – he doesn't sound very full authority. And I, and I have pointed this other thing out before and I don't want to keep being self-referential to the brilliant ideas I have. But the times that he was his best are the times that he raised his voice where he like really got in there and was talking. But it's a real problem. It's a real problem. His, his ability to deliver even a good impact like, – like try this exercise. Try reading the speech and then you go listen to it a little bit and it's, it's a little bit of a problem and I don't know the, the answer to it. So let's go to the, the phones. We're talking about the third anniversary of January 6th. I gave my half-hearted riff that I think that we have a lot of accountability, but we need a little bit more. Let's see what Al and Yonkers thinks. Hey, Al. Uh, good afternoon, Congressman. You know, today is a sad day, being the third day of a uh, third year of January 6th uh, incident in Washington. Uh, you know, it is a sad day because, you know, Ashley Babbitt, you know, she was killed. Uh, you know, she was unarmed. Uh, she was somebody's mother. She was somebody's uh, daughter. Uh, and today, these individuals are grieving. I mean, I, we, I, we all grieve for the people we've lost. But her time, she was a young woman, uh, the Capitol Police person who shot her. Uh, as a U.S. Capitol Police, you're trained for six months to do exactly what he shouldn't have done that day. I understand he... Uh, a lot of people came into the chamber, but you have to remember, uh, she was an unarmed person, and he shot her dead. And I just today feel for the family, because there's nothing worse than a grieving a loved one. Yeah, I mean, if I, I, I hear you. Now, all the time, police officers are in circumstances where they have to try to gauge whether there is a danger to other people's lives or their own. When they do their jobs. And that's why the legal standard and the way juries and prosecutors deal with police officers when they use fatal force usually results in police officers not being held liable for such things. In this case, you had people marching through the Capitol, going through. Now, remember, I have been I have walked through that door that she was shot through maybe a hundred, if not a thousand times. She would have had to pass through several places that people should not have been allowed to go to get to that door. People were marching through the Capitol, we know, saying, where's Nancy? Or saying, hang Mike Pence. We know that people came into that chamber, came into that building with bear spray, with zip ties. Why would you bring zip ties? So I agree that Ashley Babbitt's family is grieving. But one of the things I'd be asking if I were she and I were her family why was she there? What prompted her to go there? Who put her in the state of mind to do the types of things that she did? I doubt that she – I don't know anything about her – that she as a person 
usually got up in the morning and said, I am going to go break through doors in the Capitol, break through glass in the Capitol. Someone animated her to do that. And I think that you can't just start the clock at the, at the shooting of that gun. And you, we heard earlier, Noam Layton reported that her family is bringing a civil suit and so that she'll ha- her family and her estate will have the day in court. But I think to not pay attention to the idea that she heard in her head that motivated her to do that, someone that lied to her, someone in the highest position in the land that was told over and over and over again, Mr. President, you did not win. We did not find any fraud. He was told that by the people he paid to tell him to give him advice. And he said on January 6th, after all 30 court cases had been done, all 50 states had chosen their electors, go to Washington. It's going to be wild. I'm going to march with you. He didn't. And then he let the violence go and go and go before he finally, even after his family, even after his closest associates, said, please, Mr. President, use that power that you have on your phone there to to put out a tweet, put out a statement, tell people to go home, tell people to stop attacking the Capitol, and he wouldn't do it. He sat in his antechamber eating, watching television while this all went on. So, yeah, I have a great deal of empathy for anyone who dies, period. It's a tragic thing. But how did we get to that position? And if we just start by saying the cop did the wrong thing, it, I, whenever I see a police officer in one of these videos using fatal force, the first thing I always ask is tell me the 20 minutes, the two hours, the four hours – leading up to that so I can get some context to really judge this situation correctly. And in this case, you've got to go back basically until even before Election Day. When, when Donald Trump was told, repeatedly told by his staff, by his professionals, by his data scientists, by his campaign manager, boss, just want to warn you about the results that are going to come in on the first Tuesday of November – Don't get too wrapped up in the early results because some states come in later. Some states have more paper ballots outstanding. It may look really good. Everyone knew it. Every newspaper person knew it. Every reporter knew it. Every TV guy knew it. The president knew it. And he started even back then saying they're going to try to steal this. And Ashley Babbitt was just one result of that. As tragic as it was. There are people who are going to be sitting in jail for, for, for years because they went and as they told the, the court and as they told the January 6th committee, as they told their friends, as they told everyone who would listen, I went there because Donald Trump told me to come there. I thought there was – I was defending my country. I was doing what the president wanted. Well, that president right now is walking around a free man while – Over a 1,000 of his followers are sitting in prison. So that's what I have to say about the tragedy of of Ashley Babb. All right, let's go to one more more quick call. Let's go to Robert in Suffolk. Hey, Robert, welcome back, pal. Hi, Anthony. Thanks. Um, Ground rules? Uh, Could I make a point or two? I say go. You make a point or two and say go. And we go back and forth and... Discuss. How about how how about this, Robert? How about this? You are constantly into the meta of our conversations and you never just make your point. We have a break at 10 minutes before the hour. You've got about 18 seconds to make your point. 18 seconds. Okay. Just because Liz Cheney says so, it's not an insurrection. 
and Trump did not engage in one. What seasoning do you want on your desk? <laughs> that's, that's a reference to – thank you, Robert. I appreciate it. That's a reference to me earlier saying he, – he, I think Robert didn't m- misheard me. I said the Supreme Court will not in its decision say that Trump did not commit an insurrection. They'll send it back for some procedural reason or not. And we'll be back to wrap up hour number one and hour number two at the top. I hope Bill O'Reilly is listening. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Finding new ways to make change. Reaching across the aisle to work with both sides. Before all this happened, Anthony Weir, he was fantastic. That guy could have been the president. This is The Middle with Anthony Weiner. But Weiner may be my greatest challenge yet. He has gone toe-to-toe with many pundits before me. On WABC. So welcome back. That's Dave Edmonds, almost Saturday night. And we are reaching the end of hour number one. Let's get a few more calls in. Let's go to Jim in Long Island. Hey, Jim, welcome back. Hey, Anthony, thanks for taking my call. Just a question. Now that we've seen more footage of January 6th, especially what took place inside the building, and we've seen the Capitol Police essentially giving the rioters a guided tour throughout the building, opening doors, inviting them in. Have any of them been charged with insurrection? No, there, there is no. First of all, it's interesting you mentioned the tapes, Jim, and thank you so much for calling. It's interesting you mentioned tapes. It's been now four weeks since Speaker Johnson said he was going to release all the tapes. What's going on? Well, I wonder where they are. <laughs> Maybe, uh, you know, remember now, also Tucker Carlson had those tapes for months and months and months and had one one clip that he played over and over again. Look, there were... I believe that what the Capitol Hill police and the Metropolitan Police did that day were heroic. heroic. And there's video after video after video of the police guiding the crowds away from Mike Pence, away from where Nancy Pelosi was and, and the like. 
But to accuse the Capitol Hill police of engaging in insurrection. Now, some of them were disciplined for things that they did or did not do during that day. It was a wartime. They went back after the war and they looked at, at, at some of whether their troops did a good job. But there's no – this whole idea and, – and it's funny. People like Jim, they, they want to follow oh, Ashley Babbitt, very tragic. This, this police officer opened a door and they don't talk about the rest. Of, can someone call in and tell you why you bring zip ties to a peaceful protest? Can someone call in and say why we saw so much, so much um, bear mace being sprayed? Can someone call in about all the knives and everything else, why the people didn't want to go through metal detectors? Why Donald Trump didn't want them to go through metal detectors? I mean just – these are police officers telling you to stop. And I want to say something else. This is not this is not an obscure, difficult thing to get a hold of. Just you can go look at the tapes. You can go look at 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 any of the news footage from that day. Those were police officers having bicycle racks thrown at them, being being hit with 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 flags. And and and, and people chanting, hang my hang my pants. I mean, look, this is part of the point that I meant when I led into the program. Have we learned the lesson of that day? After that day, uh, Ted Cruz called it a terrorist attack. Now he, And since then, he's have to, had to apologize because MAGA got upset with him. You've got that senator from Missouri, Hawley. Who was like literally running for his life that day. Mr. Mr. Oh, it was so peaceful. And that's on video. That you've got. You've got Mike Prince, the Mike Mike Pence, the vice president. Years of if loyal service to the point of being a sycophant. And the president of the United States, six, six of, 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 of and, and people are still, and, and Mike Pence will never be anything in Republican politics again. Because all he did was like, I, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to, you know, take fake electors and read the numbers out. He knew, he, he knew what little responsibility the vice president had. He understood the nine or ten jobs he has, and that's one of them. So did we learn our lesson? Have we, are we better? What has to happen for us to get the, the rest of the accountability? Now, you know, sometimes I do this to an annoying degree, and for that I apologize. But in the program of recovery that I'm in, it's this idea of, of not just saying I did a wrong thing and I'm sorry. It's you take a real rigorous inventory and you say, what are the things, what are the character things that I've gotten to change? What's the character thing? And – that you recognize every day that you're going to have to do it. And when you make a mistake, you promptly try to admit it. And I'm not, I'm not, a per, I'm not fixed. I'm not a, you know. But the idea of accountability has to be more than just I'm going to try to find some argument against <laughs> to, to say that this isn't changed. Just read the report. Go to the even – the, even when you go read the report, there are some video presentations that just have video that – outline there's a kind of a a, a a january 6th report for dummies go read it and so those people say oh it's, it's, it's a democratic report or the one says a one republican was on it 45 witnesses were republicans of like 50 they're all republicans there's no one there was no democrat involved in this thing 
There was no Democrat involved in what was going on in, in, inside the White House or what was going on inside the Secret Service. This was a Republican administration. And I believe that there's a strong argument made that our country bent but didn't break. The judiciary did what it was supposed to. The military did what it, you know, did what it was marginally supposed to. The police did an amazing job reclaiming that scene. They managed to, to, to whisk away the vice president. The Senate and the House, the Senate rather, returned to finish the job of counting the ballots. We had a, uh, we had a transfer of power to the president of the United States and here we are today, and we're, he's going to be up for re-election. So in a way, the system held. But I worry about next time, and I hope there isn't one. And I do think we still need to find more accountability. So when we go back, we'll be back for hour number two. You're going to want to stick around for hour number two because I have, I have got a, a burr in my saddle, a bee in my bonnet. And it's all because someone took a run at me, and as Oscar Wilde once said, it's better to be talked about. They're not talked about. This is The Middle. I'll see you on the other side. Anthony Weiner on WABC. I know Anthony Weiner for a long time. He was a really bad guy. Taking a step back to look at things with a new perspective. Anthony Weiner, um, I'm not a big fan. It's the middle with Anthony Weiner. Welcome back to hour number two of The Middle. I'm Anthony Weiner. That is American Rejects, I want to say. Dirty little secret. It's great to have you here. Coming up at 4 o'clock, left versus right. Curtis is stepping out again because in the interest of uh, calling it a rematch, you guys are making everything so combative. He's my boss, but he's also my friend, and he is the owner-operator. He asked the, he asked the question I wondered, how did he become owner-operator and I think it was Sid who decided that is the catch-all phrase we were going to use for him. But he's the heart and soul of this radio station, John Katzenmatidis. And we're going to have a little bit of a, a little bit of a conversation, a tete-a-tete, <laughs> a tilt. I don't know what it's going to be. But I'm really looking forward to it. I dressed up, wore a little sweater vest today. And uh, so, but in hour number two, I want to talk about someone, something else that happened this week. So I am, um, I wasn't listening to the radio I listen to a lot of WABC. Jordan is still home from school. I cannot believe they give him an extra week. He's still home from school, and so he and I were hanging out. 
And one of my uh, favorite listeners, Wendy, sent an email saying, I can't believe um, what Bill O'Reilly just said about you. He finally corrected what you've been saying, which is wrong all along. And I'm like, what? What? That doesn't make any sense. Bill O'Reilly is a big deal. And Sid is like, you know, Sid's there. He would have, no one's going to take a run at me when Sid's around. If anyone's going to take a run at me in that show, it's going to be Sid. So. So I flipped it on and then I listened to the podcast, something that you can always do also on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Just about all of our shows are in podcast form almost immediately. They do a great job in the morning, turn that around very quickly. Great crew here. 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222, wienerwabc at gmail.com is my email address. So anyway, so I, I'm listening and, you know, I have referred to this before. Oscar Wilde, the famous author, once said it's better to be talked about than talked about and Someone once told me in this business that, you know, look, you're – if you're getting – you, you'll know you're starting to get some traction in radio when people start talking about you. And even if they're not saying nice things about you, it's not necessarily so bad. It's kind of got an analog in politics that when your opponents are taking shots at you, even if you have never done a poll in your life, that is the best indication of how they think the race is going because they're not going to hit someone who is not – Significant. Now, I am the first to admit that the only reason I got on anyone's radar was because I was having this this debate with John Katzenpedis that got a lot of a lot of airplay and a lot of energy and a lot of people were talking about it. And Sid starts off the interview with O'Reilly this way. Uh, one note about that little clip there, you know, Curtis usually does that show with Wiener. Curtis is great. No one loves Curtis more than me. But John Katzmatidis filled in because Curtis had worked about 190 hours last week. And what Katz did with Anthony Weiner, and I'm not sucking up to the boss. We are well beyond that. Trust me. Just trust me. Well beyond that. What Katz did there with Weiner is the, the exact essence of the show. That's it. Left versus right. Sometimes they're a little too agreeable, Curtis and uh, Weiner. John punched him right across the face. Not literally. Although he should have. <laughs> but it was great radio. So congratulations uh, to you, John Katzmatidis. Now, now, first of all, it wouldn't kill you, Sid, to say, and to you, Anthony Weiner. But all that being said, you know, Sid's exactly right in one regard, in that Curtis and I, when we do the show, and, and if you're tuning into this show, I don't know if you, you usually stick around at four, between four and five, Curtis and I do a show which does very well. And, cause, but he and I, while it might have been conceived as a he's not a traditional Republican, maybe I'm not a traditional Democrat – and we do wind up agreeing on a lot of stuff, but more importantly, we do have a way of kind of we came from the same milieu of New York politics, the same firmament. We were kind of like cut our teeth. He's a little older than I, looks a lot older than I, but he's so he's not wrong, Sid, when he said that. And he was exactly right that when John and I had our little thing and we're going to repeat it again at four o'clock, it did have a little more friction. So I'm thinking, okay, this is off to an okay, an okay start. And then he introduces. The guest that he has on is arguably one of the biggest guys in broadcast journalism of the course of the last – and I say journalism. He's an opinion guy, but of the last 20 years. And I have been on with Bill O'Reilly when he was on TV 10, 15, 20, 30 – I don't know. I would go on because he was doing his thing. I was doing my thing. We always had a good respect for relationship. But O'Reilly, almost as soon as he gets on the air, says this. I'm going to out Wiener now. Wiener used to use a clip that said every foreign national that comes to the United States has a right to claim asylum. That's not true. 
you have to go to a port of entry. The immigration law clearly states if you want asylum in the United States, you have to apply at a port of entry. You can't cross the Rio Grande River, stand in the desert, and scream, I want asylum. Right. <laughs> now, Wiener knows that. Yeah. He knows it. Sure. But he also knows that most people listening don't. Correct. So that's O'Reilly. When you say someone knows something and said something wrong anyway, that's called a lie. So there it is. He calls me a liar about this thing. About this, uh, about the right of asylees when they come here. And you know I've been saying this over and over again to anyone that will listen a thousand times what the right of asylees are. But I'm like, okay, I got Sid there. Sid, you know, he's not, he doesn't, you're not politically or not the same, but he, I don't know, I don't believe that, that he thinks that's the case. And so he chimes in by saying this. Yeah, but here's the thing. Newsday... Like, Wiener knows he comes on every Saturday. And he knows that what he says isn't true. Right. But he also knows that everybody uh, puts him on because they hate him, which is good. Hate listening is good. All right. So, uh, wait a minute. Hold on a second. You're supposed to be defending me, and you say that people hate listen. Now, I actually don't know if that's a technical radio term. I'm going to Google it. I don't think that's right. 800-848-WABC. I think people really listen to me because they hate me. So anyway, I'm quickly getting distracted. I wanted to hear some pushback. and But then finally Sid, I think, starts to get to the place where he's going to start to defend me. And he says this. You know what they do now, Bill, which really, I know you know this, but it's, it's beautiful. Wiener, God bless him, Wiener actually says the name of his show is something middle unplugged. He refuses to be called a liberal blah, blah, blah. He's uh, in the middle. You notice that more and more liberals who are further to the left than Bernie Sanders delight in describing themselves as middle independence. Well, fascism. Uh, okay. Now, wait a minute now. That's in no way defending me. In a, now you're taking a run. At, first of all, it's not the middle unplugged. That's the podcast. It's called the middle. You could have stopped right there. It makes your, your, your mind better. And now I'm getting worked up because now I've had O'Reilly call me a liar. I've had Sid say that people hate me, and now I've had Sid come back from that and say that I'm not the middle. And if it doesn't get any worse, we now have a left-handed compliment for the station using me as the alternative. WABC has vaulted into the top position because even if you don't, if you're a liberal or a conservative, whatever you may be, all right, the station, the radio station, is not. Um, in business to mislead you. Yes. Now we're criticizing Wiener, um, and he did mislead on the on the um, migrant asylum situation. But it's not a pattern. It's not what the they're in WABC's in business to do. Correct. All right. So now he's saying, well, ABC doesn't generally do what Wiener does. Dot dot dot. All right. Let me just say this, and Bill O'Reilly, if you're listening. And you want to have this conversation in person, we can do it. Um, But let's just start at the very top. When you accuse someone of knowing something's wrong and saying it anyway, that's a lie. That's very, very different than making a mistake. Now, I didn't make a mistake. But apparently, 
you would not have gone on the radio and said that unless you went and looked up what you were going to say and then said it anyway. And I'm going to read you USC Title Eight. Everyone who's listening, you can write this down. It takes five seconds to Google it. USC Title Eight, Section 1158, Asylum. And I'm going to read it verbatim. Authority to apply for asylum. One. Are you listening, Bill? Any alien who is physically present in the United States or who arrives in the United States, whether or not at a designated port of arrival and including an alien who is brought to the United States after having been interdicted in international or United States waters, irrespective of such alien status, may apply for asylum in accordance with this section. Now, I want to make a distinction here for everyone. There are people in the world who do media, who know the truth, but say something else because they're performing a role. Bill O'Reilly is one of those people. He is performing a role. He is among the best in the business. His, he was so good at it that Stephen Colbert went out and made a show called The Colbert Report just, just copying this and making fun of it and having fun with it. And he's now one of the most famous people on television. People who are just pretending to be Bill O'Reilly are becoming famous. He's the best. But he knows how to type. He knows how to use Google. He's got a staff of people. He had to have checked this before he went on the air and said something wrong. And not only did he say something wrong, he accused me of lying about it. USC, the United States Code, Title VIII, 1158 Asylum. And so then it goes to something that Sid said. Why do they call themselves the middle? Why does Anthony call himself the middle? My friends, the facts are not left or right. The facts are the middle. They're nothing. They're facts. And if we're going to have a country that's going to argue about things, we should at least agree on the facts. Now, there's different stuff that goes on here at WABC. There's opinion. And John and I are going to do a lot of opinion later on. What we should do, what we shouldn't do. Is someone too old or are they not too old? Should we change the asylum law? Should we not change the asylum laws? Opinion. That's not someone lying. That's someone who believes something and they say it. But when Bill O'Reilly comes on the air and says to you, my listener, says to you that Anthony Weiner knows that you have to come to a port of entry, when no, the opposite. Here's why I'm on the airwaves at WABC. Sure, I'm doing opinion, plenty of it. Sure, I'm trying to be an entertainer. I'm not very good at that part yet. But the primary reason I am on the air is to give you information, just like I did in the earlier segment about January 6th, information. When I explain that the asylum laws do not require you coming to a port of entry, that you can be standing in the middle of the desert, that you can be on a boat drifting in here from Cuba, that you can be anywhere in the United States, and if you say to an officer, a border officer, I request asylum, at that moment you become someone who is in this country lawfully. Now, I said it the other day to Dominic, and Dominic, he's in a different camp. He just didn't know that. And there are a lot of people in our audience who don't know that because they've been told, illegals, 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 illegals. How do you fix a problem if you don't even know what the problem is? Our problem is with the asylum laws. 
But they're not the problem that Bill O'Reilly said that Anthony Weiner is lying to you. Anthony Weiner is not lying to you. And he's exactly right about the last thing he said. At WABC, we're going to have people that are going to have different opinions on lots of different opinions on things. And there are some people, Mark Levin's great at it, Sid is great at it, who combine the theatrical, the performance with their opinions. I do something a little bit different. I use my experience as having been a member of the United States Congress who sat on the committee that made these laws so I know these laws. And I try to bring information that makes people say, huh, I hadn't heard that before. In fact, the other night I was on the overnight with Dominic and a caller called in and says, oh, yeah, if that's true, how come I haven't heard our Democrats say it? Well, are you really listening? You're not you're not going to get it from anyone else but me here. But think about this for a moment. If you believe that the laws require you to think that the people that are in the, 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 the in Floyd Bennett Field are not here lawfully, it completely changes the way you view this problem. So, Bill O'Reilly, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to assume that maybe you didn't look it up, because even though it's easy to do, all you have to do is literally write in, our asylees here lawfully. And when you called me a liar, you hadn't taken the effort to pick up the, to pick, pick what I did. U.S. Code, Title Eight, Section 1158, period, asylum, authority to apply for asylum. It's the first, it's the second sentence, whether or not a designated port of arrival. Now, last week when I was on with John, and maybe we'll talk about it again, I suggested that the problem is that Republicans want to have this issue. They don't want to solve it. They want to keep saying illegal, illegal, illegal. And this week when the Republicans visited the border and had a big press conference, a guy named Troy Nell, so I couldn't pick it out of a lineup, a, Repu- a Texas Republican, when asked why they won't do anything to try to help solve this problem, he says, let me tell you, this is him talking, I am not willing to do too damn much right now to help a Democrat and to help Joe Biden's approval rating. I will not help the Democrats try to improve this man's dismal approval rating. The quiet part out loud. So getting back to Bill O'Reilly and Sid, yeah, here's why I call myself the middle. Because here, you're going to have someone read you the actual law. Here, you're going to have someone read to you the facts from the from the from the the January sixth committee hearing, not not the opinions. I'll do opinions too. And you want to have opinions? You'll probably find that many of mine are, are not that dissimilar to many people in this audience. But the thing that Bill O'Reilly said that was correct was that here at WABC we make it a point not to mislead people. If we get it wrong, it's because someone got something wrong or they didn't look it up. The other day when I was on with Dominic, he just didn't know it. So I told him. Showed him the law. And now Bill O'Reilly knows better. Let's see if I get my apology. We'll be right back.
to make change. Reaching across the aisle to work with both sides. Before all this happened, Anthony Weir, he was fantastic. That guy could have been the president. This is The Middle with Anthony Weiner. But Weiner may be my greatest challenge yet. He has gone toe-to-toe with many pundits before me. On WABC. Middle. That's the Proclaimers. For those of you who are doing Anthony Weiner trivia, that's my go-to karaoke song. It's been years since I've done karaoke, but the Proclaimers actually became famous. They sent they sent a, a cassette to the House Martins, another band you know I like, um, to see if they would play with them or promote them or whatever it is. And they they the cassette got separated from the box. And so the proclaimers tell the, the house Martins tell the story that they fell in love with this band and set out to try to find them, find out who they were, and they eventually did. And they got their first their first deal. And that that song I think appeared on a Johnny Depp, Edward Scissorhands, or one of those. But um, anyway, we're talking a little bit about immigration. Of the bat, we backed into it because I'm having my first feud with someone much bigger than me. I was always told, <laughs> always told, to fight with people bigger than me. And Bill O'Reilly is way bigger than me. Um, but, uh, I was fired up about that. I don't, I don't take it, you know, say you disagree with me, fine, but fail to look up an easy thing to learn and say I lied about it. Not fine. Not fine at all. Uh, by the way, talking about immigration, it does look like they're going to do a deal in the house, in the Senate. The the, the house is like, they want nothing to do with anything, but it does look like the Senate is going to do a deal on, on, on immigration because, and I've said this to you before on the radio. Doing a deal on immigration is not the hardest thing in the world if you're prepared to do – to give a little bit. And I have said – and this is the surest sign I'm never going to run for office again – is that I have said, I, fine, build, build more wall. Now, a lot of the areas that you would build a wall on on our southern border would be in the Alamo – in the in the, the Rio Grande River. It will be on private property. You'd have years and years of eminent domain and things like that, but fine. And I say fine because the left has to give on things as well as the right, and that's true of all kinds of enforcement things. But for the right, you know, this the reason that we have people coming in using this asylum, the section of the law that refers to asylum, is there is no other legal way, legal way for workers to come in here. And also we have this crazy immigration flow now because of collapsing countries, countries at war. And the like, but it was never the the amnesty laws. Sorry, the asylum laws were never been intended to use for this. This is if you have a boat floating from Cuba, you have someone that's on a that that comes in 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 during the days of Nazi Germany and things like that. You know, hundred people at a time, fifty people at a time. It's not supposed to be hundreds of thousands at a time. So the reason, and now these people have the word has gotten out. 
And some of it is because people listen to WABC. They're like, oh, the border's open. The border's open. Even my good friend, Jack Cantabitis, who's going to come in here at 4 o'clock for the continuation round two of our little tete day He's like, the border is open. No, it's the same exact laws we had under Trump. Same exact laws. This amnesty law, this, this asylum law existed under Trump. It never got changed. So getting back to the deal that they're probably going to do in the Senate is one of the things you've got to do is, yes, let's hire more border officers. Even just so you understand what the Joe Biden in his request for aid to Israel, aid to Ukraine, aid to 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 help um, uh, to help Taiwan included thirteen point six billion dollars for uh, more Border Patrol officers, thirteen hundred of them, a team of judges, three hundred and seventy five. Um, and asylum officers, 1,600 to get the screenings of asylees. So we're screening them at the border and we're not waiting years to do it. Those those budgets were slashed in the Trump years. We went from a two-year backlog to like a, now it's a four-and-a-half-year backlog. I had a disagreement with Dominic the other day. He said, no, it's 10 years. I went and I checked. No, it's four-and-a-half years. But the problem is that there are some people who even after their determinations are still here. So I'm going to give him, I'm going to call that 50-50 on that fact. And also, they were going to have more detection technology to, to catch people smuggling fentanyl. That was what Biden wanted to do. So what was the deal that they'll probably wind up doing is, yes, get more border officers. Yes, get more hearing officers. Yes, but all the Republicans are saying, there's no, I don't want to have more hearing officers because I don't want to help anyone who's here presently. Well, I don't know what to tell you guys. If we're the only way to get people out of here, and, and, and John said last week that, oh, they don't come back for their hearings. Actually, people do come back for their hearings because, frankly, they're, they're years away, and by the time they do come back, they're already they're enmeshed in the community. But even if they don't, find out sooner. They're not going to get on a bus going to Chicago if their hearing is in a month. Or to New York, or to Dallas, or to, to Denver. Or something. So, so... The deal should be, maybe it will be, a bunch more hearing officers. We care about fentanyl. Fentanyl is not coming in people's backpacks. Grow up, people. They're coming in the panels of trucks. By the, they're, they're traveling hundreds of pounds, not, not 10 pills in someone's backpack. And, and we know this because that's where they're getting interdicted. And so it's screening, it's screening things that allow a whole truck to drive through. It measures the density of, of the truck they can find when people are, are, are hiding pills. Building some facilities down there so people can be held awaiting their, their hearing. It is illegal, against the law, a violation of the law to hold children for more than 20 days for all the people. So let's lock them up. Not allowed to do that. So are they here lawfully? Yes. Does that mean the system is not broken? Absolutely not. The system is a mess. It is a colossal mess. And that's the thing about O'Reilly lying about this stuff. You don't need to. It's bad enough the way it is. It's bad. You don't need to gild the lily and make up stuff that's not true. But here's what you're not hearing from anyone else on this station. And I'll say it again. Is what that guy Nels of Texas said is indeed the fact. The Republicans want the issue. They do not want the solution. And watch what's going to happen. In January, later this month, I think it'll be soon, based on things I've heard Chuck Schumer say, nothing I've got inside information on, they're going to work out a deal to get Israel the aid they need, Ukraine the aid they, they deserve, 
to get A, to, to help bolster Taiwan against incursions from China, and they're going to get an immigration deal. And you're going to have Republicans in the House who are saying, nope, I don't, I know I don't want to vote for anything because it's not everything I wanted. But that's how you're going to fix this problem. That's the facts. That's how you're going to fix this problem. You've got to fix the immigration. And it's not – this is not a new thing. Every 20 or 30 years or so, we have big reforms to the immigration laws. And the primary thing you do to update them is to figure out an orderly way to help our country economically. Well, we should bring in workers we need. We don't have that program right now. We have to make it with a law. And every time a president tries to change it without a law, the courts do what conservatives say they always want them to do. That's not the intent of Congress. You can't do it. When Joe Biden tried to say we were going to change the asylum laws to require someone to check in at another country on the way, it got struck down by the courts because that ain't the law. The law's pretty specific. You've got to fix these laws for all of our benefit. And you know who fixes laws? Lawmakers. You know who allocates money? Lawmakers. Just read the Constitution, my people. So that's how you solve. Now, don't misunderstand me. It is simple, but it's not easy. People have to take some tough votes. Chuck Schumer is going to have to ask his Democrats to do some things that maybe people on the left fringe might not like. I mean, it could be. It could be. Now, there are going to be people who might want to chip away at the asylum laws who say, well, we don't want that anymore. You have to go through a port of entry. Right. Maybe Bill O'Reilly uh, uh, wants to lobby his congressman to make the change that he, he said was in the law, which isn't, that he got wrong. Maybe he does. And maybe we don't want people who float in here from, from Cuba. Or we don't want people who have been persecuted for, for being Christians in southern Lebanon. Or we don't want people who, who come from a war-torn country. We, we, we don't, you know. Or we don't want someone who shows up at the world's baseball classic and says, I do, I, I'm, I'm requesting asylum. I don't want to go back. And they haven't crossed through uh, whatever. I don't know. I'm, I'm just thinking here. I, I'm not writing the law as we speak. But maybe we do want to change it. Maybe we're not the country that we used to be that says we're going to take in persecuted people who are being persecuted for being Christian. Maybe. And let me make one other point, and I've made this point several times before. Sometimes... Our postures, our political postures, are contradictory. Everybody lined up to take down the socialist government of Maduro in Venezuela. Everyone was into that. Let's cut off their oil. Let's destabilize their currency. Let's wreck their country. They're socialists. We hate them. Okay, great. Yeah. So when you have 400% inflation, they have no access to COVID medications there's no access to food. Hyperinflation runs wild, and they all leave, and they, and they decide to come to the United States because that's where everyone on earth wants to go to. And you're like, what, what happened? How did this ever happen? Well, this is how it happens, which is why some of the toughest anti-immigrant 
lobbyists and interest in Washington when I was there were the people that said, don't let another body in here, but on the other hand, let's invest a few shekels to keep them where they are. And let's be a little bit more concerned about the destabilizing of people's countries when they're so close to our border. This is hard stuff, man. It doesn't lend itself to like, you know, you know, they'll close the border like there's a door. <laughs> or there's a law. There's also not a law that lets you do that. The closest thing we had was Title 42. And in order to do that, you have to have a COVID emergency declared. And I don't see anyone lining up for that. When we come back, we'll take some calls. And then at the top of the hour, left versus right, with the owner-operator, John Katsimatidis, who is here. He is getting warmed up. He's clearing his throat. He's having his warm cup of tea. For him, this is nothing. No pressure on him. All the pressure's on me. And so when we come back from the break, we'll wrap up. We'll maybe take a couple of your calls. And if you want to call in and make some predictions on the big rumble in the concrete, it doesn't even rhyme, guys. Rumble and jungle does not rhyme. It's not close enough. And we're not going to rumble. John will kick my ass. We'll be right back. The Middle with Anthony Weiner on WABC. I know Anthony Weiner for a long time. He was a really bad guy. Taking a step back to look at things with a new perspective. Anthony Weiner, um, I'm not a big fan. It's The Middle with Anthony Weiner. So welcome back to the middle. That's Oasis Champagne Supernova. We're catching up on the immigration news of the day. My predictions about what will wind up happening in the deal they do in the Senate. And at the top of the hour, four o'clock left versus right. It started last week rather innocently. Curtis Lewa was unavailable because he had something, I don't know, the itch or the hives or whatever it was. I never quite understood it. And so the owner-operator, John Katsimatidis, who is not – whatever the – when you look up absentee owner, or you won't see this guy's picture, that's for sure. And I think that Sid summed up the feedback that we were getting about how the show went when John and I kind of went back and forth for a little while. 
Uh, one note about that little clip there, you know, Curtis usually does that show with Wiener. Curtis is great. No one loves Curtis more than me. But John Katzmatidis filled in because Curtis had worked about 190 hours last week. And what Katz did with Anthony Wiener, and I'm not sucking up to the boss. We are well beyond that. Trust me. Just trust me. Well beyond that. What Katz did there with Wiener is the, the exact essence of the show. That's it. Left versus right. Sometimes they're a little too agreeable, Curtis and uh, Wiener. John punched him right across the face. Not literally, although he should have. <laughs> but it was great radio. So congratulations uh, to you, John Katzmatidis. So here to join us for a preview of the big rumble in the concrete jungle is the aforementioned John Katzmatidis. Welcome, John. Well, Anthony, we had fun last week, and, you know, we swung it out a little bit. But, uh, you know, we're, we're friends for a long time, and we'll always be friends. And and uh, it, it's just uh, sometimes friends disagree on well, things. Now, you and I both went to Brooklyn Technical High School. Yep. When you went there, there it wasn't co-ed yet, was it? Uh, I went there from 1962 to 1966. It was not co-ed, and uh, it was a different place. I don't know when you we had the SOS squad. Were you what years were you there? I was first. I was born while you were there. Not to date you at all, but I was. Oh my there. god! I graduated in 1981. Yes, so you had been, a co-ed school. Definitely, co- definitely a co-ed st- uh, at school. As a matter of fact, so I I I've told the story. I might have even told it to you. I took the test to get into Stuyvesant. Missed Stuyvesant by one point, and I even went to summer school to get into. You know, they used to be able if you were. In I the missed bubble. Brooklyn Tech by one point too. Did you? Yes. And you were able to get in? Because at that time... Well, the school I came from, one of my relatives was the principal and wrote a nice letter to <laughs> the principal of Brooklyn Tech. And get the next thing I knew, I was in. So very similar in that I didn't get into Stuyvesant even after I went to summer school. And by the time summer school is over, all the seats are filled everywhere. The one thing about Brooklyn Tech, which for those of you, you can see that school from space. It's so big. It's it's one of the biggest schools in the nation. We Our track team, I don't know if it's true, used to, when it was bad weather, they would prop open the doors and they would train running the hallways since the, the hallways were so big. And our gym was pretty big the too. Gym, the gym was big. And, well, anyway, so my, so my dad was able to, they, they said, all right, we're Brooklyn Tech. We're a gigantic school. We'll fit you in. Here's something that I don't think any other high school in the nation can say. We had a foundry. Upstairs, we had a foundry. We had machine shop. Yeah, uh, we had. They trained us uh, to use our minds, but also how to use our hands. Right, and uh, we had architecture class, mechanical engineering, uh, mechanical engineering, and uh, that's when I ran for mayor. At the same time, you ran for mayor, right. two thousand thirteen. Uh, I was advocating that uh, instead of forcing kids to go to college if they weren't capable of it, they should. We should have more vocational high schools and teach uh, kids how to use their hands yeah. and how to graduate and not come up with $200,000 worth of debt yeah, to go to Harvard. And tech is an example of another thing. A tech is one of these specialized schools. And the specialized schools have been in controversy in the last decade or so because they're very heavily Asian, disproportionately Asian. I mean, basically, you need a test we to get did, into it. When I went in 66, same it then. was very, very heavily Asian. Yeah, same then. And people have said, well, no, let's try to figure out a way to make it more egalitarian. And I am really concerned. Here's my concern about the New York City public school system. For a middle-class aspirational family, 
right now, as soon as they get the means to get out of the public school system, they do it. And one of the reasons is, sure, we want to make sure that everyone has the bare minimum, but we have to have something that they can aspire to. And the the specialized schools, everyone wants to get their kid into a specialized school, and I think making it competitive and let the chips fall where they may, keep having the test the way it is. I know it's it's not a traditional viewpoint right now, but I think the test, however it winds up working out, now I do think... I agree 100%, by the way. Which Well, one of the things you can do, John, is you can help disadvantaged communities... With tutoring, help them take tests better. Help them get prepared better. Anthony, when I ran for mayor, I was in Jamaica, and uh, uh, and I was uh, talking to some church group, and this woman gets up and says, uh, "I want my son to go to to Brooklyn Tech," and uh, I said, "Well, he should." He says, "But he's not going to pass." I said, "Then I think that you should have him go to classes every Saturday morning and." You know, learn some more things, and so he'll be able to pass the test. Right, and I think there's a way to do that. I mean, here's the problem. Here's the problem. And we talked a little about the school system. That's we. This By giant- the way, today I have the itch. Yeah, <laughs> where where is Curtis? <laughs> you see, is Curtis still itching? But I found out. I, I I solved the problem. Why I have the itch? If you have too much B12 in your system, uh, and you know, I've been taking a lot of vitamins lately, and you know what happens. I took my B12 vitamin, but the nine other vitamins I was taking had a little had bit of B12. B12. Well, so my numbers were the normal test for B12 is from 1 to, to 10. I was like a 13. And when you're above the 10, you start getting itchy. Is that what happens? That's it. I mean, my, my, I, I, I take stuff, and I have the stuff that's powder that I mix into my shakes in the morning and whatnot. But I don't know. I think I think part of the problem that that Curtis was having is I think he I think he became medically attached to the microphones here. Like we had to have we needed the jaws of life to get to get him away from the microphones a little bit. Oh, he enjoys it. He enjoys talking to people. I guess. And, 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 and if you're talk, listening to him at three o'clock in the morning. He forbids you from hanging up. <laughs> I know that's true. Sometimes, sometimes they'll leave the mic. They'll they'll leave the call lines open. And you'll hear the snoring at the other side. But listen, one of the things about the the school system, we talked a little about this last week. And for those of you just joining us, this is the last ten minutes of the middle with Anthony Weiner, joined by John Katzenbetis at the top of the hour. Left versus right. He and I are going to recreate. We're just doing the warm ups now. We're kind of like in the early rounds when you circle the guy a little bit. You kind of feel him out a little bit. But, but John and I come from a very similar place here in New York. And in 2013, we after even having known each other for years, we bonded over. We were both candidates for mayor, him on the Republican side, me on the, on the Democratic side. And, I, and I, I remember he and I would travel around because there were so many of these candidate forums and the like. And I remember at one point I realized in this field of Democrats, I was probably closer to John than I was to, say, John Liu or Bill de Blasio in terms of our, our, our politics. But now I represent the left here at WABC. And so we're talking – and I want to kind of get a a little bit – we talked about this a little on on my show. You know, this is a right-leaning station, but you have never shied away and you never say to me, you you know, don't say A, B, or C. You said go out and do your thing and – but play it above board. Make sure you're keeping it straight. And part of the argument you've made – You know, that's what I said to you again uh, the last few days. I said just – I want to know how Anthony feels. Deep down in your heart, you're a very smart guy. You're a Brooklyn Tech graduate. You had a very high IQ to get into Brooklyn Tech. And uh, uh, how does Anthony feel? 
But, you know, John, here's the problem. Here's the challenge that I think you and I both face. We need to agree on the facts, not the politics of it, not our opinions about the facts. So we had this conversation about asylum where Bill O'Reilly said I had it wrong. As it turned out, I had it right. If we can't if we can't even agree on what the law is today, we'll never be able to figure out our opinions. So it's quite a different thing when someone says Joe Biden's a weak president. That's an opinion. That's not a fact. I have every respect for someone saying that. Then you back it up. Absolutely. But very often our listeners get told things that are just not true. Well, we listen, uh, some of our shows are not news shows. Some of our shows are uh, news and talk shows and opinion shows. Uh, but uh, uh, our our news on WABC News has to be straight news. No, I agree. But but if if you have now a good twenty five percent of the country who thinks the election was stolen, so now they don't have confidence in the next election, and that comes from well, people. We, we have to do what we have to do. What we have to do to make sure people feel good about it. Well, good about what? They're not going to feel well, good. You know what Europe is doing, Anthony. What's that? Europe has all paper ballots because they don't even trust regular machines. So you want there to be a longer period of time of counting? I would want to make sure people feel confident that they feel good, that everything is 100%. But why do they feel not confident now? Isn't it because one man set out to make lies about it? No, I don't think so. I think uh, uh, what happened with all the – look – what what happened for the mail-ins, let's say, uh, in, in in Nevada? And you, you know the numbers. Uh, in certain counties, I, I, I don't know the exact numbers, Anthony. I'm just going to throw out. If there was a million people in the county and they sent out a million and a half ballots. Right. I mean, you, but, feel, but, yes. you feel good about that? No, but here, but John, oh, okay. but, but how that's, do we— That's bottom line. But how do we determine that that, that didn't happen? We have you can't. To, no, you can. You, you absolutely can. can. But 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 you have to be able. The the voters have to have confidence that they that their vote is an honest vote. I now you know what happened when Rudy Giuliani ran for mayor. He put a U.S. attorney almost on every uh, polling booth, and you know what was going on in Brooklyn. You're a smart guy. They had buses loads worth of people in those buses and the voting booths that they were controlling. They were going from voting booth, let's say 30 people in a bus, voting booth to voting booth to voting booth. Can't do it. And they voted over and over and over. You can't do it. You see, it's stuff like that, John, that makes me nuts. You know you have been involved in elections for a long time. You know you can't do that because – I if don't you, want to do it. No, no. You know you can't do that because when you – the old machines they had when Rudy Giuliani were the knob machines that you cannot vote over and over again. At the back, if the well, counter – Wait a second. There was that one machine that me and Carbonetti are arguing about. We're still arguing about 10, but, 10 years later. But here – I lost that one machine 73 <laughs> to nothing. Listen, now, do you think there was something rotten in well, – we used to in say Denmark. Denmark. Well, what do we say these D- days? Ditmas Park. <laughs> There's something rotten in Ditmas Park. But my, my concern is if you have – how is it that we determine whether something's on the level, whether it's kosher? We have elections officers. We have judges. We have courts. We have a process, right? Yes. Now, if you go through all those processes and everyone says, 
No, everything here is fine. There wasn't an extra ballots. We looked into everything. If, but if the president of the United States, the head of, of half the country, though that half the country just voted for, says, oh, no, this was a fake, this was a fraud, it undermines. That's why well, look, I don't know how you recover feel good from about that. it because, I, I, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to tell you how Trump felt through his eyes, or what I think he felt. He felt that he used to go to, to, to uh, uh, rallies and he used to have 30,000, 40,000 voters. And uh, President Biden, uh, at that time, Joe Biden would go to a rally and he had 12 people. So how do you think Trump looked at it? Right. But, but let's not minimize it. He was told by his campaign manager, by his data expert, by his, his attorney general, by his deputy campaign manager, by his chief of staff. They all told him, you lost, boss. And he still went out and said fraud. And so – the chair. Here it is. We're on the third. Listen, we're on the third listen, anniversary of January sixth. People, John. people feel that way. You can't. You can't help it. Listen, the other candidates, and I won't mention names because I don't want to. They felt that way too. Some of them. After after all the votes were counted. Yes. No. You. You. If, the, the, okay. After, I will get you the facts. After. Listen, Anthony. I will get you the facts. The. I can tell you. You, you mean there was nobody th- with f- phones being thrown at them? Candidates, since the beginning of time, have been saying, I want to sue that. Uh, that there was Absolutely. Fraud. Right. Here's the difference that no one has ever done in the history yeah. of our country until Donald Trump. After every state is certified, 60 court cases had been finished. After, See, that's where you're after, wrong. Go ahead. That is where you're wrong. Go ahead. There's a lot of people going around and says, oh, 61 cases were, 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 were certified that nothing. That's not true. The truth is, and we'll get you the truth. The truth is they didn't allow those 60 cases to go through the full gamut. Of course. Courts, they case, did not. Judges look, throw out cases no, all the time for yes, being yes, BS, John. But those 60 cases were not allowed to go through the full gamut. Wait a minute. Final, and, hold well, on a second. The truth is the truth. No, that's not the truth, John. Yes, let me, it let me, is. It is not. If you want to sue me because you think that I'm ugly and a court throws it out. I because, don't like the way you comb right, your hair. I don't like the way you comb your hair and a court throws it out. You don't have a right to go through it and have a whole trial. Judges that thought wasn't, that was it. No, no, that wasn't it. It, it was. They wouldn't allow it to go forward because they said those, uh, certain people didn't have the certain standings of or course, something. Of course. Okay? But, these but are... you, you cannot go around saying that 60 cases were thrown out yes. because that is not John, true. Here, here's what they I They were thrown out not because it, that somebody was guilty or because it's innocent. It's because they, the judge says that they didn't have the right standing. Yeah, the and judge said You know said what I'd like to do? You don't, but hold on Another say, week, we'll bring in a judge in here. Your choice of no, judge. No, how, how about this? I'm going to give you a reference. It's a report by Republican judges and Republican lawyers <laughs> called Lost Not Stolen. And what it does is it goes through every case and Hear me out, John. First of all, I didn't say we won the way. No, no, no. I didn't say Trump won the no, election. I, well, of course he didn't win the election, okay. John. I, but, I didn't say that. But, but no, what I'm saying that what but you're I mean, saying. But there are problems. You're saying were, it's not great. There were difficulties in certain areas of the election. John, there was nothing every time. The only way we have in our country to determine whether there's fraud, to determine whether there are irregularities, is through the courts. And not a single court with Trump-appointed lawyers and Trump and it was no 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 Trump appointed lawyers it doesn't right. matter who, who the appointed lawyers are 
It's what, what the system did. Oh, let, let's, it doesn't let's matter go, if it's Trump let, appointed or not. A different time, a different day. Let's go over those 60 cases. Be glad to do it. But okay, by the way, let's do it. By the way, hold that thought. It doesn't matter if it's Trump appointed or Obama appointed or Clinton. I don't that, care. That may come up later in our conversation. All right. But the point I'm making here, this is the third, a solemn day. This is the three-year anniversary of January 6th. And and we had a call earlier about Ashley Babbitt's death. The, the problem is if you have a problem with trust in this country in our elections, it comes down to one man's actions because we've had battle. We've had things go on in elections that are small or big. And by the way, I find it fascinating that things happen in elections only in the states that Donald Trump lost by a hair. Nothing else in the whole rest of the country. And I also find it fascinating. None of the people below him on the ticket. That won their elections, none of them think that there's any problems, even if they're Republicans. Well, there was a substantial difference in the votes between the people that won and the Trump vote. Well, there always is. You never have a vote down, on the, you, t- down on the ticket that you have at the top of the ticket. You all, because a lot of people show up, they don't know the other candidates, they showed up just to vote for the president. By the way, and I wanted to say this about paper ballots. You want to have paper ballots and think they're the answer to everything, but— I said oh, that's what Europe does. No, no, but I'm saying if the people think that that might be the answer, oh, how it's impossible to have fraud with paper ballots— Yes. In that case, you better be ready to wait for weeks and weeks. Some people think that get, that the, the, the real thing that, that undermines the confidence is that people look at the early results. They go to bed at night and wake up and something's different because a lot of paper comes in. And oh, by the way, and it's worth pointing out as we reach the top of the hour, it's Anthony Weiner and John Katzenbettin. It's worth pointing out also what has been testified to by Republicans is they told Donald Trump, rally around getting mail-in ballots. Our people are going to like them because a lot of them are older, and he didn't do it. Instead, he that was talking was about fraud. I agree. When we come back, left versus right with Anthony Weiner, and not Curtis Lewa, but Curtis Lewa and Anthony Weiner's boss. Is he boss, still itching? He's probably – listen, it probably takes – I mean, I don't know what kind of trap you set up outside his place, but we'll be right back with left versus right. <laughs> 